up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Double Move Sports, the perfect mix of fantasy and football. I'm Steph, and as always, I'm here with my best friend, Alex. Say what's up to the people. Hey, guys. Hope everyone is crushing it today. Um, we've got a great show. We're going to break down some of the uh, movement with running backs and wide receivers through free agency. we got some huge names to talk about today, including guys like Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Robbie Anderson, um, and more. So it's going to be a great show. We're going to talk about football and fantasy football implications. So I'm super hyped, Steph. I think we can go ahead and just start start going through it. You know, I don't think there's Let's much really to in. preface here. I know it's kind of a, a dead time right now, so hopefully we can bring you guys some value, keep you guys entertained when not that many sports are going We've on. Got some hot um, takes, so, hot takes coming at you. Hey, I'm ready. You better bring bring the heat right now. <laughs> the first one we're going to talk about though is Todd Gurley moving from the Rams over to the Atlanta Falcons. I thought this was a great move for the Falcons. They let Devontae Freeman walk in free agency. But, Alex, I'll put the ball in your court first. How are you feeling about this Gurley signing? Are there implications for the other pieces on that Falcons team? And, and you know, are there any losers or winners in this? Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I don't really think there's necessarily any losers on this Falcons team. Um, if anything, I, I think it just makes their offense a little bit better. We saw when Devontae Freeman was there, you know, he was – um, always fairly involved when he was healthy, and it didn't really necessarily take away from the volume of those wide receivers and Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley. Uh, Matt Ryan was always able to rely on the running back receiving the ball, and Todd Gurley, we know he's got receiving chops from his days um, in L.A. previous to you know this past season, which was a little bit uh, challenging in the air for him. But I think it's a great move for Atlanta. It's a one-year, $6 million deal, low risk. They, they get a guy who's proven to be an elite running back in the league, and to me, fantasy football-wise, I think Todd Gurley himself is still a low-end running back one. Um, last year in half PPR, he was the running back 12. And a lot of people talk about his 2019 season almost like he was a bust. I do think the touchdowns will regress in Atlanta. He had 12 touchdowns last year in L.A. I don't really expect him to get 12 again. But, but one thing to note, in Atlanta, they're not really going to be preserv- preserving him like um, the Rams were. The Rams had him on this, you know, pitch count. They they acted like they wanted to kind of preserve that knee and save him for the the end of the season and the playoffs. This is a one year deal, so Atlanta's going to let him go as hard as he can go. Um, and I think his carry count could go up from last season. He had 15 carries a game in 2019. The previous three seasons in LA, it was 18 carries a game. So maybe he gets a little bump on the ground, and then through the air, I think he gets a big bump. Um, he only had three targets a game last season. When he had that dominant 2018 in LA, he actually had six targets a game. Um, and then Devontae Freeman last year had five targets a game. So I think he gets another target or two per game in half PPR and PPR formats. That's a huge boost. I think he's going to be a little bit more effective um, in Atlanta. The LA Rams line really struggled last season. So, you know, I'm willing to take a chance on his upside, probably in the back of round two, early round three in drafts. Uh, but I think it's a great move for the Falcons, a great landing spot for Todd Gurley, and I think it's going to give him the opportunity to be a workhorse like he's always been. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I'm a firm believer that Gurley has a ton more left in the tank, finishes the RB14 in PPR. I know you mentioned the half-point PPR, so there's still value there. I think his receiving work is going to go up. Um, he only missed one game last year. A lot of people think of Gurley as missing all this time or you know dealing with all this injury off and on. I mean, he only had 33 fewer carries than a pretty decent 2018 season. If we even want to go back to 2017, he only had 56 fewer carries, which if you think about that, that's that's three games for a running back, essentially. 
Um, look at the workload that the Rams were even giving Gurley towards the end of the season. We had him uh, getting, uh, he averaged from week 11 on 16 fantasy points per game. And in those games, he had 25 rushing attempts, uh, six, but that was in a game where they were getting smacked by the Ravens on Monday Night Football. 19 attempts, 23 11, that was the game where they got exposed by Dallas on the road. Gurley still had 20 fantasy points in that game thanks to two touchdowns. And then 15 carries and 20 carries. So he ended the season on a really nice stretch, getting a full workload, and played pretty well. You know, I'm, I'm willing to bank on that. I think he's going to take over some of the vacated targets left by Devontae Freeman. Even if you look back to 2016 to 2018 with Tevin Coleman on the Falcons, he was getting about 30 receptions a year uh, to Freeman's you know, 50 or so. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think Gurley's going to get an uptick with that receiving work. We're going to keep an eye on reports coming into the season. Look how he's he's looking at camp. If he, you know, all reports point to that knee is looking healthy. Gurley's back. I think it's huge. Um, absolutely. He could have high end RB1 upside. And I think the offense as a whole for the Falcons is going to improve a little bit just because Gurley is an upgrade over Devontae Freeman to me. Uh, anything else to add on, on this move? Yeah, one last thing, and it's something, you know, maybe it's just a narrative and it's it doesn't really hold any weight. But when you think about this Atlanta Falcons um, team as a whole, you've got to think that their window is closing with that core of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Uh, they're, you know, they're not getting any younger. And you've got to think if you're the Atlanta Falcons organization, you're thinking, hey, how can we go make another Super Bowl run while we've got these core pieces in place? Because like we've talked about on this podcast in the past, it's super hard to keep the status quo year over year in the NFL. Like we saw the Falcons blow the Super Bowl and then they've struggled since then. But they pretty much have the same um, offense, at least the defensive side of the ball. I know they've had injuries and things, but you've got to think with this one year deal with with this really strong core with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and a young Calvin Ridley guys that, you know, have shown to be um, superstars in the past or at least have superstar potential um, you've got to think with Todd Gurley on a one-year deal they are going to give him the work and they are going to put the pedal to the metal so I think his volume increases especially like we said in the passing game and he could be a great value in drafts if people are sleeping on him in that knee seems like in summary here what we're saying is the scoring volume is going to go down uh, but that's going to get balanced out with an increase in usage more receiving volume so you know for us sounds like uh, Gurley gets the double move sports stamp of approval Let's move over to the next big running back name here, Melvin Gordon, who's moved from the Chargers over to the Broncos. When this news came out, my gut reaction was, oh no, this is this is bad for Philip Lindsay. This is like disrespectful to him. You know, the the undrafted free agent who came out of nowhere, hometown hero to take over for that that Broncos backfield is now gonna take a back seat. But actually I think the guy that really should be worried is Royce Freeman. To me, it seems like the Broncos are going to try to recreate that Gordon-Eckler combo that the Chargers had, and now it's going to be a Gordon-Lindsay combo there. You know, we look at Philip Lindsay's finish in 2019. He finishes the RB19, so uh, mid-RB2. He had over 1,000 yards and has had 35 receptions the past two seasons. Uh, he had was 16th in attempts at 224, and he had seven touchdowns, which is, is pretty solid and was running at about four and a half yards per attempt, which is, is pretty good as well. So Lindsey's been fine. You know, he's been one of those you know, RB2 guys you can plug in week in, week out, maybe stay away from him in certain matchups. Uh, but Gordon's ability and his pedigree blow Lindsey's out of the water. So I got to think the Broncos are going to favor giving the ball to Melvin Gordon. Wouldn't you agree, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, my first reaction, I was shocked and I felt – bad for Melvin Gordon in the sense that 
he made this whole scene with the Chargers trying to get that extension holding out, and it didn't really pay off for him. His deal was two years, $16 million, yeah. which when you look at <laughs> Zeke's deal, which he got like $15 million annually for six seasons, and Gordon signs a small two-year $16 million deal, it's barely half of what Zeke got. You know, you definitely got to feel like Melvin Gordon um, regrets holding out. But having said that, Gordon, with this contract, is still going to be the sixth highest paid running back in the league. So with his talent and with the money that the Broncos were able to give him, you've got to think that, you know, they're going to use him and feature him in that offense. So if we look at the Broncos um, share of the backfield last season, um, Philip Lindsay had 14 carries a game and Royce Freeman had eight carries a game. So that's 22 total carries a game for those two guys. Like you said, I think Royce Freeman is essentially obsolete at this point. But with those 22 carries, I could easily see it um, almost being a 50-50 split from a carry standpoint. I think each Lindsay and Gordon are going to get about 10 to 12 carries per game. But then when you factor in the receiving work and you factor in the goal line work, I think that's where Melvin Gordon is going to be featured. So I definitely think Gordon is still going to be a running back two with upside because he's not going to be a workhorse. Lindsay still will get his. But the carry volume plus the touchdown work and the receiving work kind of puts him over the top um, and separates him from some of these other guys in his tier. As far as Philip Lindsay goes, though, I'm not super excited about him. I'm not really touching him even in that timeshare because I think he could fall into that boat where he's almost like a Carlos Hyde for Houston last season where he's getting carries. He might have some 100-yard games. He might have some big plays. But, you know, he doesn't really have the upside anymore. He's not catching the ball. He's not getting as many touchdowns. And he's a really solid back for this team. But for a fantasy perspective, he's like a low-end running back to maybe a flex. So that's my gut reaction. Steph, what do you think about that? Um, are you interested in Philip Lindsay at all in 2020? You know, I might keep my eyes on him. I'm I'm a guy who really looks for running backs that get a lot of receiving work. If it tends to trend that way, you know, I'm a huge fan of Austin Eckler. Did you know a, a great uh, deal for my teams last season? So if I can pick up another <laughs> guy in that position, potentially. It's just we don't have such a, a large sample size with Drew Locke yet, so it's hard to definitively say if that is going to be the case. I'm sure we're going to have some fantasy players that go all in and think this Broncos offense is going to be greatly improved. I'm sure you have others that think, eh, they're going to be towards the bottom like they were. Uh, they do run more than the Chargers. Now, take into account the check down volume that, that Rivers was throwing Eckler's way and even uh, Gordon's way for, for a big chunk as well. Uh, but if we look at Gordon, you had eight touchdowns last year in just 12 games. Now it's 11th among all running backs. He had 42 receptions, which is more than Philip Lindsay. And, you know, and again, in four less games, if you think he plays those four games, he ends up right around where he has been the last couple of years when he had 50 and 58 receptions in those last two seasons. So I think Gordon is still going to get plenty of passing work as well. You know, the range of outcomes I do see is pretty wide. Um, you know, will Gordon finish as a mid to low RB2 with top 15 upside? That's, that's kind of where I have him right now. I think Drew Locke gets a bump from this and still have even more weapons. They're putting everything around him that he needs to prove himself. So if you have Lindsey, if you've invested in him in Dynasty, something like that, all you're praying for now is for the Broncos to go down big early in every game and <laughs> need to, to pass it to him and check it down. Um, so, yeah, the Broncos offense, young and experienced. inexperienced. You know, yeah. So they're going to be boom bust. They're going to have their moments. They're going to have their stinkers. You know, do we think the Broncos are going to be able to score as often as the Chargers? What are your thoughts on that? No, definitely not. And we've talked about it before with this offense. We've talked about their need for another wide receiver. We both really like Noah Fant as a breakout candidate this year. But you think about Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant 
kind of as the key pass catchers on this on this offense. And with a young quarterback in Drew Locke, you do have to think that those targets are going to have to go somewhere and it's not all going to go to, you know, Tim Patrick split out on the other side. Um, so I do think there is a decent amount of receiving work to be had for these running backs, but I don't think it's going to be Philip Lindsay. Last season, Royce Freeman actually got more targets than Philip Lindsay. Lindsay only had three targets a game. He was able to turn that into 35 catches on those 48 targets, but the receiving work hasn't always been there. It's never been how they've used them. Um, so I think Melvin Gordon comes in and actually gets that receiving volume that Royce Freeman was getting, which was a little bit over three targets a game. And I think he even cuts into Lindsay's a little bit. So you know, on, on the receiving side, I, I still think it's going to be Melvin Gordon, and I think he's going to be the main beneficiary there. Um, and even splitting time with Austin Eckler last season, we know Austin Eckler, what he does is catch the ball. We know he's a receiving back. He's a scat back. But Melvin Gordon, you know, when he came back last season after the holdout, he still got five targets a game in that offense. And that's on top of what Austin Eckler had. So I think he's proven it as a receiver in the past. He's going to keep doing that moving forward. And over the the, the back half of last season, over the last eight games, Melvin Gordon was actually running back nine and half PPR. And I don't think the Broncos nice. offense is going to be quite as good as the Chargers. I know the Chargers struggled last season, but from a scoring perspective and a volume perspective, um, you know, in fantasy, they were still a much better offense than the Broncos. I still don't think the Broncos are going to score as much as the Chargers did last year. But I do think the work is going to be there, and I think there's definite upside for Gordon. Like you said, he's a solid locked-in RB2, and I think there's RB1 upside. And, you know, if there was ever a situation, we don't ever wish injury on anyone, but if Philip Lindsay missed time, I think Melvin Gordon is a top-eight guy, unquestioned. So, um, yeah. yeah, it remains to be seen. It's, it was honestly a surprising move. I didn't really have Denver circled as a landing spot, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to split up that workload in the backfield in 2020. Broncos run the ball on 44.8% of their plays. The Chargers run the ball on 38% of their plays. So you got to think there's an uptick in just rushing volume in general there. I have a few names, a few comparison points that I want to throw out there for you, Alex. Looking at Fantasy Pros ADP, we have Melvin Gordon going around mid-third round. Uh, so let's see where you have him at in your ranking. So would you rather have on draft day, as of everything we know right now, Melvin Gordon or Kenyon Drake? Give me Kenyon Drake all day. That offense is electric. They're going to score a lot of points, and he's going to get a lot of touchdowns inside the five. Now, Melvin Gordon or Marlon Mack? See, this is a situation where I'm going Gordon because of that receiving work. He had the five targets a game last year, splitting with Eckler. Um, there's you know targets on the table, assuming he steps into that Royce Freeman role and more. So just because Marlon Mack doesn't catch a ton of passes, and I know Phillip Rivers does dump it to the running back a lot, but the Colts have other guys to fill that void. I think I'd rather go with Melvin. And then last one here, Melvin Gordon, or the guy we just talked about, Todd Gurley. Yeah, this one, I thought you might ask me this one, so I'm prepared for it. <laughs> I'll definitely go Todd Gurley here. I just want a guy who's the clear number one in the backfield and doesn't really look like he's going to be in a timeshare. I don't expect Todd Gurley to be, you know, Christian McCaffrey level workload, but he's clearly the guy there. He's going to get all the goal line work. He's going to get everything. And with, with Melvin Gordon, I think there still could be a little bit of dilution with Philip Lindsay. So uh, give me Todd Gurley all day there. Awesome. Well, let's move over to the next one here, talking about Jordan Howard, who's left the Philadelphia Eagles, now signed to the Miami Dolphins that are you know still in full rebuild mode. He finished as the PPR RB44 and missed seven games with injury in 2019. I see him as just kind of an insurance policy, a bridge running back. Obviously, the, the Dolphins are going to bring somebody in. you got to imagine they do with all that draft capital they have. Alex, what are your takes here on Howard? 
Well, this was a two-year, $10 million deal. So we got decent money. It's similar to the money Mark Ingram got in Baltimore. So I do think they're going to use him. But to your point, I think the biggest thing to keep an eye on is what they do in the draft. I don't, you know, now that they got Howard, I, I don't think they're as likely to go out and get a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins or someone elite on day one. Um, but I think there's still a pretty good chance they take someone in the mid-rounds. Maybe it's, it's on day two and, you know, the second or third round of the draft. But I think they do bring in somebody. Um, to try to kind of bridge that gap and to bring in with whatever quarterback they end up taking uh, to, to look towards the future. But the interesting thing about Jordan Howard, he's still only 25 years old. It seems like he's been around forever, but he's still super young. He showed a lot of talent and upside in 2019. And here's an interesting stat that blew my mind. He only played the first nine games of the season before that injury. And in half point PPR, he was the RB 15 when he went out with injury. And that was while he was splitting time in the Eagles' backfield with Miles Sanders. Um, And I know Miles Sanders was kind of getting ramped up at that point as a rookie, but that was on only 13 carries a game. He's only getting one reception a game. We know he doesn't really have the receiving skill set, but he was getting it done. So, you know, my expectation for Jordan Howard is a low-end RB2 or a flex just because I think the Dolphins' offense isn't going to be as good as the Eagles' was. I don't think – the offensive line is as good. I don't think there's going to be as much room to run, and I don't think the touchdown volume is going to be there. And then from the receiving side, we know he doesn't really give you a ton of um, cushion or, or baseline you know, in PPR, half PPR formats just because he doesn't catch a ton of passes. So I think if Miami does end up drafting a running back at some point, then uh, Jordan Howard's a running back too or a flex or a guy you can play if you need to, but he's not going to be someone that you want to have locked into your lineup every week. But if Miami doesn't draft a running back or they wait till around six or seven to take one, I think Howard's a top 20 guy because this is an offense that, you know, they're building with a lot of young pieces. Ryan Fitzpatrick likely will start the season as the starting quarterback. It remains to be seen. We'll see if they end up um, getting Tua or somebody that they want to throw in immediately. But the offense should be able to score. You know, they shouldn't be as bad as they were last year, at least through the first half with Josh Rosen. So, um I think the efficiency for Howard will decrease compared to last year, but the usage will increase. I think he'll get more than 13 carries a game, especially early on. And one last piece on that offensive line, the Dolphins O-line, according to Football Outsiders' run blocking grade, was dead last in the NFL in 2019. So (laughs) there's definitely not going to be a ton of running room. Jordan Howard's a north and south guy, but maybe he can squeeze out like three and a half, four yards per carry and get some more attempts to give him some value. But Steph, what do you think? Do you like Jordan Howard at all? Do you think you know, he's a guy you can rely on as an RB2, or is he more of a flex-type play for you? He's a he's a low-end RB2 for me as it stands right now. I'm definitely more interested in him earlier on in the season. He's averaging 55 yards per game when he was splitting carries over the last two seasons in Philly. You, you kind of like that, you know, with some obvious variance in there, depending on game script. But at 4.4 yards per attempt in 2019 and six touchdowns in that short sample size of games, I could see Howard being one of those guys that, you know, is getting you 40 to 70 yards a game. Some of the games, kind of like he was having towards the end of his stint with the Bears, where he can have those two touchdown games. They're going to give it to him on the goal line. You know, we can look back to Howard's rookie season. It seems like he's really made an entire career off that first year where I was I was all in on him after that first year. He had 1,300 yards and ran at a very nice 5.2 yards per clip, finishing as the RB10 in 2016. You know, his usage is so contingent on who they bring in. I could see him being relegated to nothing more than a third down back, or I'm sorry, a, a goal line back, um, and maybe first or second down guy, short yarded situations. It's just tough to know how the Finns are going to use him, uh, especially because we don't have a huge sample size under new coach Flores. Um, 
hasn't had a ton of time running that offense for us to really understand his plan especially looking at last year when we had half a season of Kenyon Drake, the Kalen Balazs experiment, and then the intern Patrick Laird coming in hot towards the end. <laughs> yeah. um, but nothing really else to say here on Howard, I don't think. So let's go ahead and move on. Awesome. So next we're going to actually talk about some of the wide receiver signings and guys that have changed teams this offseason. Um, the big names really stayed put. Amari Cooper stayed in Dallas, AJ Green uh, staying in Cincinnati. But Robbie Anderson signed a two-year, $20 million deal with the Carolina Panthers. This was a little bit surprising to me. It's not one of the premier landing spots I saw from him from a fantasy football perspective. I think it could be a great move for the Carolina Panthers, kind of rebuilding that offense under Matt Rule. Steph, tell me what you think about this Robbie Anderson move, and what do you think for him? Um, what do you think his expectations are in 2020 from a fantasy football perspective? Robbie's been one of those guys that's always shown flashes to be one of their top tier deep threats in the NFL. And I, I think he made a smart move here by leaving a team coached by Adam Gase. Um, <laughs> he took about, you know, the, the Panthers only offered him $2 million more and he took it. Um, seemed like the Jets kind of got stubborn there in that deal. But I, I do like this as a move both for Robbie Anderson and for the Panthers. You know, I see him as an upgrade over Curtis Samuel, especially as a pure deep threat. Um, and Stam Samuel, to me, now steps into that wide receiver three role behind DJ Moore's one and Anderson's two. I even saw some rumors here that the 49ers are pretty interested in Curtis Samuel. So we'll see how that plays out. But Robbie's really shown what he is at this point. We have four seasons of his play with the Jets to look back on. He's averaged 15 yards per reception pretty much every season he's played, starting in 2016. Uh, and averages about 52 receptions a season. We have Samuel, who was there in Carolina last year, getting 105 targets to Anderson's 96. So you look at that target share, it's pretty even based on both of those offenses. Both guys averaging about a 55% catch rate. So not a ton of difference between the two. Uh, both of them are pretty boom bust. You're going to plug them into fantasy lineups on any given week. They're going to be good DFS options based on certain mm. matchups. I'm not expecting more than 60 receptions at absolute most for, for Robbie Anderson right now. So I expect the limited volume that he's kind of always had. It's kind of been the thorn in his side to continue. Uh, but it is an upgrade to the Panthers offense just from an explosiveness standpoint. You know, a lot of people look at this move and say, well, Teddy Bridgewater's not a, a pure, you know, deep passer. Um, I think a lot of people actually sleep on his arm. You know, look at next-gen stats. Bridgewater had a 149 passer rating when throwing to the deep middle of the field. The league average there is 87. So wow. he's top tier when looking at wow. deep middle between those seams. So I'm expecting a lot of deep uh, post routes for Robbie Anderson, which is where he's going to make his hay. Um, I don't think Bridgewater is going to be doing anything crazy throwing to the outside. I'm factoring in some production to still go to Curtis Samuel, but I have Anderson in line for pretty much what we've seen from him. 45 receptions, 700 yards, five to seven touchdowns. It's not too different from where he was with the Jets, where he was putting up at least 750 yards and five touchdowns the last three seasons. Um, so that that's my case really for Robbie Anderson, really not much different. Yeah, before I give you my take, I kind of want to pulse check where you're at with Robbie. I'll throw out some names here. Tell me who you'd rather have, Robbie Anderson or first guy on my list is Brandon Cooks. Hmm. You know, I'm going to stick with Brandon Cooks, assuming both are healthy and at 100%. Mm -hmm. Brandon Cooks, assuming we factor in some of the concerns. If we hear going into camp that, you know, Cooks is still dealing with some of that injury, I'll look at Robbie Anderson. But as of, of right now, assuming both guys are fine, I'll go with Cooks. How about Robbie Anderson or John Brown? 
Interesting. That's a tough one. I'm going to go Robbie Anderson here just for a little bit more explosiveness. I think Diggs is going to take the explosiveness away uh, from John Brown a little bit in that Bills offense. For sure. And, and definitely similar situations there with kind of uh, a volume cap on what they can do. But but both right. guys that will definitely have their boom game. So last guy on my list, uh, uh, Robbie Anderson or Will Fuller? Definitely taking Robbie Anderson in this one. I'm not touching wow. Will Fuller with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Don't even try to get me, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for uh, giving me Will Fuller before his 54-point week last season. That was nice of you, Steph. I gave you that one 50-point rental, and then you lost him for the rest of the season. So and that's fine. And then the wheels came off. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> To me, I agree with you. I think I liked this deal for Teddy Bridgewater more than anyone. Um, we had just talked about right. Teddy Bridgewater on our quarterback pod. This was before the Robbie Anderson signing, and we talked about how we love Teddy as a streamer. We think it's a great stability move. I think you actually use the word stability as the best way to describe it for the Carolina Panthers. And bringing in Robbie yeah. Anderson has just given Teddy Bridgewater a lot more you know, streamability uh, appeal in fantasy football. I don't think we expect Teddy Bridgewater to come out and throw 600 passes in 2020, especially when you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. But when you look at um, Teddy's consistency and his accuracy as a passer, and then you look at the weapons around him in a good matchup in a game that, you know, in games that will be higher scoring and can be shootouts, I think Teddy now is as good a streamer as anybody. He's got DJ Moore um, as a really good possession guy who can really do it all. He can win deep. He can win underneath. You've got Curtis Samuel as a utility player, Robbie to stretch the field, and you know the best running back in the game right now from a receiving and rushing standpoint uh, if you combine the two together in Christian McCaffrey. So to me, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a huge winner here. I think Robbie Anderson – Again, is a good flex play. Some of those names we threw out, you know, the Brandon Cooks, the Will Fullers of the world. Those are guys, the John Browns of the world. Those are the same kind of tier guys, like based on a matchup, maybe you need a boomer bust play in your flex. You're going up against one of the top teams in the league and you need to roll the dice and try to get a 25, 30 point week, but it could also burn you for five. That's kind of how I think of Robbie Anderson. Um, but for me, you know, the Panthers offense is becoming a little bit crowded. I think DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are the two guys that are undoubtedly going to get their volume. So for me, this is really the, a big hit to Curtis Samuel. I think, you know, assuming he stays in Carolina and he doesn't get traded like some of these rumors, he's just a bench stash at this point. And maybe, you know, we see some things out of that offense. Maybe Matt Rule uses him a little more than he had been in the past. Uh, maybe there's an injury that allows him to get some more volume. But for me, Curtis Samuel takes a big hit. As far as Robbie goes, I would have loved to see him land somewhere else. Honestly, the Eagles, the Colts, um, even staying in New York with the Jets, I think would have been better for his fantasy outlook. He has shown a lot of flashes, like you said, uh, in the past with Sam Darnold at quarterback. I think that could have been nice to see them for a full season together. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I like the signing for the Panthers. I like it for Teddy, but I don't necessarily think I'm super interested in Robbie Anderson for fantasy 2020. I'm not really either. You know, at that tier, you know, we're looking at seventh to 10th round. You know, there's other names there that I like more, like Darius Slayton, Marvin Jones, some of the other ones that we threw out there. But let's go ahead and move over to Emmanuel Sanders, who's moved from the 49ers over to the Saints. He finished as the PPR wide receiver 30 after being traded to the Niners from the Broncos after week seven last year. I love this move for the Saints, who are still really in that win-now mode, trying to get one more ring for Breeze before he retires. You look at the Saints' volume outside of Michael Thomas, you have 70 targets going to Jared Cook, and then it's 57 for Ted Ginn, and then now you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel with Josh Hill and a few other names there. You know, the first standout point here is that 
194 targets to Michael Thomas is definitely not going to happen again. There, there has to be some regression there. He can't break the receptions record twice in a row. So you have to think, you know, <laughs> with that regression baked in, Sanders is going to get some of that production. But, you know, what are you expecting from Sanders, Alex? Are, are you expecting him to be kind of like he was in San Francisco, kind of a more boom-bust guy? Or do you think he's going to have kind of a higher floor here? No, I think it's going to be similar to a San Francisco situation. I think those target numbers you were giving out included the playoff game as well. So I know they only they did. You know, they did. played they one did. playoff game. So, you know, if you're looking at the the regular season, maybe shave a couple targets off of each of those names. But, you know, ballpark-wise, it's, it's the same. Ted Ginn last year, like you said, uh, had 57 targets in the regular season. He had 56. Traquan Smith had 25. That's a combined 81 targets for essentially those two guys together being the wide receiver too. I expect Sanders to pretty much eat into their volume more than anybody else's um, and maybe get a little bit of that Michael Thomas volume as well. Thomas had 185 regular season targets last year. You know, I'm not changing my expectation for Thomas. My expectation before this move was probably 165 to 170 targets, which is still 20 less than last season. I think Sanders takes some of those, and I think he also cuts in again in Traquan Smith to put him around, you know, the 90 to 100 target range. So for some context there, Sanders had 97 targets um, in 2019. So volume-wise, I expect it to be the same. I think he'll maybe have some boom games and, and certainly some bust games. I think you're not really going to be able to rely on him, uh, you know, on a week-to-week basis. But another fun fact about Emmanuel Sanders, he actually played 17 games in 2019 because of that trade, just how things worked out with the bye week. He was able to get 17 regular season games in. So, um, you know, coming back from that Achilles, that's incredibly impressive. Um, he is getting older, but he still can clearly – uh, make plays and he's, he clearly is a veteran who knows how to get open he can still get it done so to me kind of like we talked about with Robbie Anderson I think Robbie Anderson was a great move for the Panthers I think Emmanuel Sanders is a great move for the Saints I'm not necessarily super interested in Sanders from a fantasy football perspective but he's another guy you can put on your bench and if you know through the first couple of games uh, of the season He's getting good volume. You like what you see. Maybe you throw him into a flex or wide receiver two spot. But he's a guy, you know, maybe in double-digit rounds. I'm I'm willing to take the upside of some of these other guys, like the Darius Slaytons of the world like you threw out there. Uh, people with upside, uh, players with upside like that definitely uh, spark my interest a lot more than, you know, an older um, veteran Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I expect Sanders to get a slightly higher floor just thanks to the increased volume of pass plays from the Niners to the Saints. But, yeah, should still be pretty boom-bust. You know, we look at the, some of his fantasy finishes from those weeks last year. He finished 10 of them with fewer than 10 fantasy points. So, on average, he pretty much burned your team. We look at the other uh, six or so games here, um, his PPR finishes. Some of these ceilings are, are crazy. He had 34 points in that, that super high-scoring game that the uh, Saints and the Niners had. Then some of the other scores here are uh, 24 points, 12, 11, 15, and then 28. So you're really only going to get those big weeks four or five times across the season. Otherwise, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Uh, Another fun fact, though, on Sanders, he is, I believe, the only player that's been to a Super Bowl three times with three different teams. Um, So for his sake, I hope he can be the first to go to four Super Bowls with four different teams. It'd be interesting if if the Saints were able to get there. Uh, But he's still... Yeah, like you said, not a guy I'm looking to draft in 2020. I'd gladly scoop him off waivers on the right week, uh, but more than likely I'll shoot for an upside play in those later rounds. Look, this is why you listen to Double Move Sports. We have 
more Emmanuel Sanders fun facts than any yes. other podcast guaranteed. <laughs> there's two already. I'm sure there's going to be more to come. So um, love that take. You know, I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement there. And a hot take for me, a guy that also changed teams in free agency that I would rather have in fantasy this season is Brashad Perriman. Um, wow. I think the upside is there at this point. You know, Sanders, he does have that boom potential, but I think with Michael Thomas on that offense and the volume that goes to the running backs with Alvin Kamara, I think the upside is limited. If I'm drafting, I'm taking a shot on a guy like Brashad Perriman or even like Robbie Anderson, who we just talked about, over Emmanuel Sanders all day. So let's talk about Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman, since you bring his name up, do you think he steps right into that Robbie Anderson role and looks at about the same production on that Jets offense? I certainly do, and I actually think the production is going to be higher than Robbie Anderson uh, saw. Wow. I Look, I do think Robbie Anderson is a better wide receiver than Brashad Perriman at this point in their career, but I think this is a great move for the New York Jets. You lose Robbie Anderson, and you're able to bring in Perriman on pretty much a risk-free one-year deal. It's it's cheaper than the annual value Anderson got. Uh, Perriman was only a one-year $8 million deal with the Jets, so you know, virtually no risk. It doesn't break the bank. And I love it for both sides. Perriman has the first round uh, pedigree. He was a first round pick in 2015, looked like a bust. We saw his career kind of come back to life last season with Tampa Bay. And he has a very similar skill set to Robbie Anderson. He can stretch the field, but he's still, you know, a very serviceable receiver on all three levels. So, you know, Brashad Perriman, we saw it at the end of last season. If you were in the fantasy football playoffs and you had Brashad Perriman on your team, he's one of those guys that, you know, you pick him up on waivers late in the season, and he he potentially guided you to a fantasy championship. Over the last four weeks in 2019, Brashad Perriman was the wide receiver four in half-point PPR. Wow. And these are the reasons why even if you're eliminated from the fantasy football playoffs, you should still keep up with everything happening through the end of the season because this is a perfect example. If you didn't really – you know, if you got eliminated and you didn't keep track of what was happening – you never really saw this mini Brashad Perriman breakout, and you probably have him written off, you know, remembering what he did in Baltimore, which was nothing except drop a lot of passes. So (laughs) he showed a lot of promise there in Tampa Bay. I think in this Jets offense, he is going to be featured. Robbie Anderson had six targets a game in 2019. Um, You know, that's not incredibly high, but several of those games were without Sam Darnold. So I think – you know, the the pass volume for Perriman should be those six targets as a baseline. And I think the overall pass volume in this offense is going to continue to increase in 2020. I think it actually takes a bit of a step up. Uh, something people don't realize about the Jets, and this blew my mind, over the last eight games in 2019, they were 6-2. and two. When I think about the Jets in 2019, I think of them as like, I remember the game against the Patriots, you know, where they were on their third string quarterback and the Patriots D scored like 30 fantasy points. I remember Sam Darnold saying he's seeing ghosts in prime time. I don't remember a <laughs> seven and nine team that finished six and two. So, you know, we, we mentioned Anderson being gone. Demarius Thomas and his 58 targets last season also might not be back. He's a free agent. So I think Brashad Perriman, wow. as it stands, has a lot of upside. Sure, you know, I'm not putting all my stake in Brashad Perriman and rolling him out as my wide receiver two to start the season. But he's a guy you can probably pick up in the late rounds that has that upside that I would take over an Emmanuel Sanders. I would take over a Robbie Anderson. I would take over a John Brown. Um, so to me, he starts out as a low end wide receiver too. Uh, you know, keep an eye out for the jets. I think they are a strong contender to draft a wide receiver. If they do take a receiver in the first round, that obviously changes a lot, but 
as things stand, I think, you know, the Adam Gase experience definitely scares me a bit, but I think Sam Darnold is going to continue to be fine as a quarterback, you know, providing volume to fantasy football wide receivers. And I think Brashad Perriman showed a lot last year. Well, you got me excited for some sleeper appeal in Perriman. Yeah, I, <laughs> I certainly like him better than Anderson just with that, you know, 20 extra pounds that he has on him. Uh, and I feel like he has kind of a more balanced route tree, whereas Anderson's just going to be your, your you know, post and go routes and your flies, things like that. Uh, let's talk about one more here, an interesting name that it doesn't excite me too much personally, but just one that we need to kind of keep on our radar. He might be more of a deep sleeper if you're a big believer, uh, but Devin Funches that signed with the Green Bay Packers, you know, to me, he is an upgrade over Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scaling, even though he was injured and missed pretty much the whole season uh, last year for the Colts. You know, as somebody who's just kind of had your eye on him as being a Colts fan, Alex, what are your thoughts here for Funches and Green Bay? This was surprising. I would have loved to see the Packers go out and get somebody else. Funches, I remember last right? year as a Colts fan, I was so bummed when they signed Funches. A one-year, $10 million deal last year with the Colts. Sheesh. I thought that was ridiculous. He got hurt early, so we never really got to you know, give him a fair chance. But um, this is a one-year, $2.5 million deal. It's low risk for Green Bay. The incentives actually give him the potential to earn $6.25 million. So... Um, you know, I'm not super interested in Funchess. I think he's got a similar value as an Alan Lazard, you know, a, an MVS, a Geronimo Allison. When I think about that revolving door of Packers wide receiver twos in 2019, that's exactly how I think about um, this signing in Devin Funchess in 2020. So Geronimo Allison's a free agent. He'll be gone, but Lazard is still there. MVS is still there. I don't think there's going to be a clear wide receiver, too. I don't think that's going to change. I also don't think Aaron Rodgers is suddenly going to start throwing 40 touchdowns a season again. Uh, Devontae Adams probably isn't going to miss half the season with an injury. So I'm not super stoked. I think there's going to be weeks where, you know, he has 15 fantasy points. Maybe he gets four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, I just I'm not excited about about Devin Funchess and you know, it's a tough move. I, I still would love to see the Packers draft somebody else. Um, I know their draft capital isn't really towards the top in the league, and maybe they're not going to take a guy in the back of round one, but I still think they can do more at wide receiver to help out Aaron Rodgers. Steph, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there. He just, yeah, like you said, a great way to describe would be the, the revolving door wide receivers they have. So, you know, we're winding down here in free agency. There are a few more names that we need to keep our eyes on. We have a free agent, Cam Newton, that's out there that – um, you know, he's been circled for a lot of teams. We have Jameis Winston who could go somewhere. And there's a few teams that still need QBs. We'll see how things play out um, leading up to and after the NFL draft here. That's still going on at the end of April. I believe that's still going on from the 23rd to the 25th. So coming up here next month, we'll keep our eyes on that. I'm sure there'll be a ton more to break down based on where these rookies go and their different landing spots. Uh, Alex, anything else to add before we sign off here today? One last thing. It's been awesome breaking down these guys over the past two weeks. We've got to do every position now. And like Steph said, there's still dominoes to fall. Maybe we'll um, do one more kind of, you know, last regrouping before we move on to the draft where we pick up on the moves of Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, even Devontae Freeman, some of those last pieces. Yeah. Um, but but one, one thing we were able to do a couple weeks ago before free agency was a fantasy football debates pod where we took – all sorts of different players and I took one side Steph took another side and we decided who we would rather have in fantasy football for 2020 some of those were Lamar versus Mahomes we had Devin Singletary versus Miles Sanders Saquon versus CMC it was a lot of fun 
Um, we're looking at doing another one of those soon. And if you've got any debates, any two players you'd love to see us uh, go at and, and you know break down, we would love to hear those suggestions. Drop them in the comments. Uh, tag us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Uh, I know one that we got um, since the last one was a George Kittle versus Travis Kelsey debate, so you can keep an eye out for that. But we'd love to hear the guys you want to break down, and we will throw those into our next Fantasy Debates podcast. Absolutely, guys. Follow us on social media. Thank you all so much for watching. We had a blast recording this show. Hope you all enjoyed watching it, and we'll see you next time.